Hello and welcome to Running the Table, an ongoing podcast about running and playing tabletop role-playing games. I'd like to start this episode by saying there's no April Fool's joke today. I didn't feel it felt appropriate. Uh, And in fact, today is all about the situation we're going through worldwide. But first, if you would like to ask a question, please email them to rttpodcast at gmail.com or send them to Running the Table on Twitter or Facebook. Now, as always, I am your host, Keith, and as I said, today is relevant to what we're all going through. Today, we'll be discussing remote play. For those of us making do in the current situation, or in areas that have been shut down or ordered to stay inside, meeting with our friends to play games is no longer really an option. As such, remote sessions have become the only way to play our favorite tabletop RPGs. And for those of us looking to get started, it's a perfect way to get some of that much-needed social time without putting yourself or others at risk. So let's jump right into it. How do remote sessions work? Well, the first step usually revolves around the tool or tools that you want to use in order to get yourself set up. This can be as simple as a conference calling device or a web call service like Skype or Zoom, or as in-depth and complicated as battle map replacements and interactive web-based character sheets. Today, I'll just be focusing on some of the tools I'm the most familiar with. There are more out there, but these are fantastic ways to get in touch with people, set up stories, and run games. And, having played with them, I, I know that these work, for the most part, for just about everything I've talked about on this podcast so far. I also want to say and make explicit that none of these tools I talk about are sponsored mentions or paid advertisements. This is my own thoughts, nothing more. For creating and managing character sheets for Dungeons & Dragons games, D&D Beyond has proven to be the most useful in my experience. It walks players through the creation of their character, allowing them to choose different options as they arise, level up, and even appropriately record hit points on an interactive character sheet if they so desire. You can also export these character sheets as a PDF for use in other games, even offline, or you can use them right on the website, especially if you're running a remote session. Now, these kinds of uh, resources don't necessarily exist for every game. Many of them are geared specifically for Dungeons & Dragons because of its relative popularity. For other games, it may be more beneficial or more useful to try something else. Some games may have form-fillable PDF versions of their character sheets or reference materials available. Uh, Monster of the Week is one such game that I know makes these available. But, for those that don't, I recommend the use of some shared document of some sort. Google Docs, Microsoft Office, or really anything where you can share and co-edit on the same document will work incredibly well. 
Here you can see and share information about the character without needing to communicate it to the larger group. And it gives the characters a central place to access. In fact, many times such shared documents can be helpful, even for offline games, sort of as a replacement to passing notes at the table. That said, you may not necessarily want computers at the table or even phones, and that's okay. But for remote play, it's a little hard to do. Now, these shared documents and other ways of helping characters create and maintain their information in online repositories can be very helpful with replacing side conversations, note-taking or passing as I mentioned, and some information sharing between each other. When you, as the dungeon master or game master, have a need to know information about the character, it's readily accessible at your fingertips. And when the player needs an open source for recording further information, it's easy for them to update. But, online play goes beyond just recording information or even the character sheets. As I mentioned earlier, it may be beneficial for you to have some sort of uh, digital map. One service that I have used extensively and seems to be very popular is Roll20. That is Roll20.net. Now, Roll20 and some other services like it include options for shared character sheets or documentation as well. They may even allow you to upload your own for games that they don't have. And you may even have to upload your own file or select from a predetermined list, but many allow you to kind of makeshift it as well. Uh, you can even just have a simple text record of what is going on. But Roll20 and similar tools do a lot more. As I mentioned, they can provide a digital play area or even a virtual battle map. And those games that heavily rely on the use of tokens or representations for physical space can have those as well. There are ways of importing your own tokens or using existing ones to represent players, monsters, objects of interest, anything that you may need. And these can also be used to represent physical space in a virtual world. They can provide some element of gameplay in a different way than what you're used to. It becomes possible to change the image for the opponent or a monster in order to represent some change in their appearance or capabilities. And this can provide an added wow factor or surprise factor, making remote play and online play just a touch different in how you can convey some of the gameplay mechanics and your story uh, from the real world. Now, not every game relies on a battle map or physical representations or even spatial representations. These are the theater of mind games, the one where your game mostly exists just through the story you're weaving, your players' interactions, and the landscapes that you all imagine. Now, for the more theater of the mind games, these tools like Roll20 can still serve as a place to share images, roles, other information that would normally be readily available at the table. But without as much of a need for actual visual components, these games are more capable of using a wider range of sharing and communication tools. 
Any information to be shared can be placed in really any sort of shared document, as we discussed before. And for the actual gameplay, the heavier focus on roleplay and the imagination theater of the mind translates into a broader collection of usable communication tools. Uh, many of us use Skype, Discord, Zoom is now becoming popular. Uh, there's numerous others. You could even have a, a FaceTime or Messenger chat if you want just a voice or video. And really, so long as you can communicate with each other through text, voice, video, any combination really, you can play these kinds of games. Whether on a computer or a phone, these tools will make it easy for your players to connect and play with you. So one of the larger problems that can arise is the learning curve to some of the more complex Dungeon Master or Game Master tools out there, or even just the shift to a remote playstyle. These kinds of transitions can be difficult for everyone. And I think it is important to emphasize that despite the handiness and popularity of tools like Roll20, it is important to work with what makes sense for you and your players. If you find yourself struggling with a complicated map production, perhaps simple lines or even a general concept map can be sufficient. Adapting your play style with your players can also be a challenge, as in remote sessions there can be a greater emphasis on descriptions for your players. While this isn't a requirement, it can help bring remote players deeper into the game and kind of take away from the numerous distractions that they invariably have in front of them. So overall, it can be important when using these kinds of free services to find your balance. And that's just not a balance for you, the one running the game, but a balance for your entire group. At what point are you putting in a similar amount of work and not overburdening yourself with complexities while still keeping your players engaged and your story fun? For some, this can be complicated maps with custom tokens using premium services and falling really deep into the remote tool rabbit hole. But for others, it may mean foregoing your usual map entirely or even visuals, in favor of more robust descriptions and narration. I strongly urge you to try out any of the various free services to find your balance and work with your players to keep your game and your connections going. As you look over these services, you may find different playstyles or approaches that you favor and would otherwise not have attempted. Remote play is not some burdensome beast that only exists during times of difficult communications, but is an entire different ecosystem for playing these kinds of games. You may even find tools that you continue to use for your in-person games. For those of you with the means, I also strongly suggest that when you do find tools that you really love, you support those that you find the most useful and the most appealing and check out anything that can make playing games and having fun as a group possible, even in our own homes. Please, be safe out there, and have fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Running the Table on Playing Together Remote. Please join me next episode, where I will be joined by Russ 
from Prism Pals. We have a very interesting topic on playing together as a group that should be helpful as well. And as always, if you find yourself with questions you want answered about anything tabletop role-playing game related, please send them to rttpodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach me at Running the Table on both Twitter and Facebook.